Hey everybody, this is Brother Frank, and glad to be here with you tonight. Um, We just need to pray. Father, thank you so much. The hour is urgent. The warning has been going forth. But Lord, personal preparation with you is so precedent, Lord, in this hour. Lord, we thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you for continual reaching out to us. But Lord, we need to be shaken up in our spiritual lives in this hour. And may our knees be their place of refuge as we move forward in these last days. I pray this all in Yeshua's precious name. Amen. Folks, glad to be here with you tonight. And I'm going to share a few things that I believe are relevant to this moment. There's so much news constantly changing. There's wonders. Is this the battle of Ezekiel 38 that's going on? And folks, you know, as much as everybody would like to say yes, there will be identifiers that will let you know if this is truly the battle of Ezekiel 38. Some of the players are already starting to make rumble that are in Ezekiel 38. Uh, Just a quick little thing. I think we're going to try to have an Ezekiel maybe 38 study program on here to really dig into this chapter. But just a quick few things. If you remember, one of the key indicators in Meshach, very simple to indicate. Uh, It goes back to the ancient, um, the, uh, uh, the, excuse me, the Greeks identified the, um, that area. Meshach is with the ancient Scythian empire. Uh, Scythia, if you know, Paul even speaks of the Scythians, okay? And if you look at a map of ancient Scythia, they, where they, they basically ruled from the Black Sea all the way over to China, you will see basically what is Russia, okay? And um, it goes deeper than that. And there's also Turkey and different things that are, that are talked about in there. But uh, some of the other players, Persia, Iran, right? And then Libya and Ethiopia. But you, you need to go and look at the ancient maps of these areas because they cover bigger and different uh, areas than we think today in modern times. Um, but the real big kicker that will clue you into this is that there will come. Let me just read it here. It's, it's, it's simple from Ezekiel 38. Let me just read what the word of God says. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having their having neither bars nor gates to take a spoil and to take a prey to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited. Whoa. Now, what's that? It says at the same time, it doesn't mean at the exact moment. It means why this stuff is happening. At some point, there will be a thought that says, you know what? Let's go up to the place, the land of unwalled villages. Those that are at ease and at rest. Folks, Israel is not at ease, nor at rest, okay, in their area. That is, and there's still walls around certain old ancient places there. This is not the land it's talking about. Israel lives on edge. They're in constant defense mode. 
and the people around there because it's such a violent area. But there is a nation that is at ease and of rest that would be a desire to be plundered by the enemy because of the richness of what they have and the wealth in their land. That land would be United States. Now, once it's it does say, though, that this land was once desolate, but now is inhabited. You see, there's clues to understanding who this land is about. And if you understand the parallels between U.S. and 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 uh, Israel and, and where their ally and all that stuff, but that's quickly changing. You see in the United States, because in Zechariah chapter 12, you know, it does say this i want to read it real quick behold i will make jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when there shall be in the siege both against judah and against jerusalem and in that day will i make jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people all that burden themselves with it shall be cut to pieces through all the people oh, excuse me i'm some rough light here of the earth be though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. So the key is is that there'll come a time now Jews, Israel, nobody has been punished harder than the nation of Israel in history. I don't care what anybody says. They have been persecuted worse than anybody because the dangers of being called by God's name and then turning from him. Woe unto us in the United States, okay? But you can see what's happened to Israel, and but there says that there will come some time from the time of Zechariah's prophecy in the future that Israel will become a burdensome stone to the whole earth. I see that stuff beginning to happen now. I've seen news articles about all the foreign leaders are hating, you know, coming against him. And we see that beginning to build. And now the triggers start to go off and say, is this actually Ezekiel 38? Well, you need to read the word, continue to study the word and look for the indicators that this is actually God's word. You know, so I don't like to make any declarations myself personally, but I am watching with a watchful eye because I know the hour that we're in. Just because it's happening now doesn't mean that this will not go on for quite a while before it continues to get even worse and worse, which it already is. If you've seen the news today, we've the game has changed officially. I'm not going to dwell on that so much because I do think it's something we need to have a, a long Bible study on in Ezekiel 38. What I want to talk about tonight is this false sense. And I, I know, folks, for some people, it gets scary out there. And I know for some people, they don't understand everything that happens. Why is Why does it seem like everything goes wrong in my life? Or why am I constantly dealing with an onslaught of attacks? Why, why, why? I, I want to just read this story. I love it. Um, because I believe it is so about what we go through so often that we don't see. In 1818 in France, and Louis, a boy of nine years old, was sitting in his father's workshop. The father was a harness maker, and the boy loved to watch his father make leather. And, and someday his father told Louis, I want you to be a harness maker just, just like his father was. And uh, his father said, hey, why don't we just start now? So he took a piece of leather, and he drew a design on it. 
Now, my son, he said to him, take the hole punch here and a hammer and follow this design, but be careful that you don't hit your hand. Excited, the the young boy began to work, but when he hit the hole punch, it flew out of his hand and pierced his eye. He lost the sight of that eye immediately. Later, the sight in the other eye failed, and Lewis was now completely blind. A few years later, Lewis was sitting in the family garden when a friend handed him a pine cone. As he began to touch the pine cone, his fingers had become really sensitive since he was blind. An idea came to him. He became enthusiastic and he began to create an alphabet of raised dots on paper so that blind people could feel and interpret what was written. Thus, Louis Braille invented a way for the blind to read. Now, had that never happened to him, there would be blind people that couldn't understand everything and communicate by understanding what has been written. But by the blood, imagine wanting to be able to read the word of God, but you can't see. But now that you can read in Braille and you can touch, you can actually touch the very word of God as it comes through your finger. What seemed like tragedy, God used as a blessing. The Bible says, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though we now ye see him not, ye believe ye rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That gift we know about salvation. We The Lord gives us salvation, but there comes a day we're going to receive that gift in fullness when sin shall be no more. But there are going to be trials and things that are happening because God is building our faith for what is going to be going on in these last days. You see, unfortunately, too many believers have been told that this life is easy. Too many believers have been told that this is just a cakewalk and that if you have faith in Jesus, he'll give you peace, love, joy, and happy, all these things. Yes, he will, but he never said you wouldn't suffer. But somehow in the United States, the church has been so pampered that suffering is not a part of Christianity. It is a part of those who either are wrongdoers or those who are not believers, it's not for us because we're just to prosper and name it and claim it and live it. It's such a lie. But unfortunately, that kind of preaching lacks in preparation for what really needs to happen so that when you're in the fire, you're standing firm. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, by their pagan names, were tried. They were told that they just needed to bow. It'd be a real simple. They could have just pretended like they were tying their shoe or something, but they decided to stand strong, even at the fury of the most powerful king on earth, King Nebuchadnezzar with the violent, violent temper. And even though they were told that the, that they would be cast into a fire that was fired seven times hotter, they were not willing to compromise their lifestyle of worshiping 
Yahweh the Almighty. They were going to stand strong no matter what. And they knew and they said that their God will save them. But even if God chose not to, that they refuse to bow because dishonoring their God was not on the table. It was not an option. No matter what happened, they would stand strong. Now, you remember they had been ripped from their uh, their homes at their, the best guess is around roughly the age of 16. They'd already been through so many tests. They had already been through trials as children, young men, young adults in the king's court growing up. They already had to show their faith and be tested. And now after years of this and, and standing faithful to God, yet they're tested again. But this time, the test is with fire. But even though they were being tested with fire, I love what they said. O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Do you know how they got to that area and that ability to stand strong? It was because through manifold trials and temptations in their lives, they had to trust on God in foreign territory. And when it counted at the moment of decision, they stood for what was right. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that God is preparing his people and yes, sometimes it's hard and there are seasons of prosperity and there are seasons of not prosperity. But God knows in his infinite wisdom what it means for you to stand strong when it truly matters. But if anybody somehow made you believe that you were just going to fly away and escape this stuff, it was a lie. If anybody made you believe that that suffering is only for the Jews and forgot to tell, tell you that according to Romans chapter 11, that if you're not grafted in, it doesn't matter anyways, meaning you are either a part of Israel, okay, or you're not. This lie of the church being separate from Israel, you're grafted in. Read Romans chapter 11. I challenge you. The Jews themselves or those called have to also accept Jesus. It's right there in Romans chapter 11. Therefore, they were the natural branch. We were the wild. Either you are a part of the root and believe in Yeshua, or you are the wild olive branch that becomes a believer and get grafted in. So we are all a part of the root and taking part of the nutrition of the family of God. That's what it means. And because of that, they knew to stand strong. But to the world looking around them and those that were haters of them, and you know there was haters of them that couldn't wait to go tell Nebuchadnezzar that they weren't standing. They couldn't wait to go in and tell them that they thought they were holier than their holy king at that time as they believed. Folks, when you are a follower of Yeshua, you will be persecuted and there will be people that think you're holier than them. Now, I'm not saying there may be some people that have a bad attitude, but if you follow the Lord and you follow his ways, you do have a target and people will mock you. 
And I'm sure the people were looking around saying, finally, finally, right? The devil probably even for a moment was thinking he had his victory, right? These troubling Jews, right? Who are no, who had put the wise men and the magicians to shame were finished victory for the enemy looked almost certain at that moment for the devil. The devil didn't mind if a few of his own were even swallowed up. It didn't matter that Nebuchadnezzar burned, built it up seven times hotter and some of the guards were killed. That's the reward you get for following the devil. It's death. He doesn't mind sacrificing his own people to get his way. And that's what he did. They were happy that they wouldn't be mocked by Jews. They hated them. And you see that happening in the world today. What's happening with Israel? What's happening for us who believe in Yeshua? We are hated because we want to protect life. We are hated because we don't want to take their their false medicines they want to put in us all the time. We're hated because we stand up against homosexuality and everything. We are hated for these things. We're hated for telling people the truth in love. Simply because we desire to see people's salvation, we are hated. Finally, in those in their day, Babylonian justice was going to be served. But hold on a second, though. This is the part of the story that I absolutely love. Because at the midst of the king's anger, wanting to destroy with the hatred for the Jews. When it was finally time, he was going to wipe these little punks out. When he heated it up and so much of some of his people didn't matter as long as they died. It was at that moment that the king looked into the fire, expecting those men to be burnt to a crisp. When to his surprise, he looked around and he saw another in the fire. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished as he rose in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. The king was shocked. And in the midst of the king's anger, the midst of his wrath to killing God's people, just like Paul had, right? The king got a revelation of the son of God. You see, folks, sometimes our suffering, sometimes the things we go through, they're not only for us, but they're for others. When people see your faith, when people see that you don't stumble, have you ever, I remember I was down in in, um, this area in Virginia one day on a job site years ago, and there was a foreman of a construction crew that was there as business, and I began to notice this man, the way he talked, the way he carried himself and the way he did things. I knew without him even mentioning the name of Jesus, I knew who he followed because his actions were screaming at me. His words, his kindness, the way he treated people, 
were screaming. He was a devoted follower of our Lord and Savior. It shook me. I had to meet the man. I wanted to become his friend. I talked to him and I shared with him. And you know what? He was exactly who I thought he was. A very devout follower. And he never said a word. My aunt always used to say the most powerful sermon that was ever preached was lived and not spoken. Folks, God is preparing us just like the men in the fiery furnace. And the devil may think he's got you down and this is the very end of it. He may think, finally, I'm going to show these smart mouth believers, these followers of Yeshua, what it means. And you're going to be burned up. And it's at those moments that God tends to shine so brightly. And you've, I've wondered before, they were in that fiery furnace flames were all around them how did they make it through i wonder what was going on and as i read this you reflect back to this verse in isaiah and i'm i'm sure that these men knew this i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised they were claiming this that when they were going through the fire as the prophet Isaiah said, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. He said, and you're going through these. He says, I will be with you. And these flames, they will not burn you. And I can imagine them in there. Lord, I remember the promise of Isaiah. He said that when I'm in the midst of the flames, you will be with me. They will not kindle upon me. And when they came out of that place, the only thing that had been burned on them was the ropes that bound them. Folks, the trials we go through are not to harm us, but to release us from that which this world has put us into bondage to. God never said it would be easy, but it will be worth it. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage, got to meet Yeshua when he looked through that furnace and saw him in the flames. It might just be that your trials might be an introduction to somebody else, that there is an almighty God. Now, I can tell you, I would not be surprised one ounce. Seems to me like it's likely that Nebuchadnezzar will be in the kingdom. Because after God set him out in there and remember to be like an ant, a wild animal, um, living on all fours, right? Feathers, everything. He admitted he, he made proclamation to the most high. And it, I think it would be amazing to talk to Nebuchadnezzar in the kingdom one day. And ask him what it was like to have that revelation of Jesus. What he was going through his mind when he looked into that fiery furnace. I can only imagine. You see, folks, when we are struggling in this hour, when things go south, when it all is said and done, when, when we are attacked as a nation, when, when, when it's all falling apart and, you, and you've wondered, how are you going to make it, folks? I want you to remember this, that there is one who is standing in the midst of the fire with you, and he will stand with you to the very end. 
no matter what takes place. We talked about it some, you know, a long time ago, and Brother Benjamin had brought up that verse about thy people will be made willing in the day of thy power. Meaning when it's time, when it, when it's time to go, when it's finally we're there and you don't know how you're going to make it, God will make you willing because we've been through the fire. And yes, folks, we have never seen suffering in this country like others have. And I'm not prepared for it. You're not prepared for it. Okay. I, I listen, I'm, I'm 49 now, folks, and and I, you know, I grew up and I thought I was tough and used to fight and was in the Marines and all these. I'm as I get older, I'm <laughs> I, I'm not so tough at all. You know, my kids would laugh. My wife says, "What happened to that old Marine?" I'm like, "I'm getting old," but you know what? I know I don't have what it takes, but I know somebody who does. And I know that I trust in him. And in that hour, he will take care of me. And I don't have to worry that, Frank, you got to be, you know, some triathlon athlete and you got to be, you know, the Iron Man of Iron Man so that you can somehow in your own flesh survive this. No, Frank, what you need to do is on your knees, seek the Lord with all of your heart and he will take care of everything else. Yes, we are living in perilous times. We are living in an hour that we've heard about forever. If you've been a believer through generations that your grandparents told you about, we're here. But God has his timing. I don't know if it's today, tomorrow, the next day when it's it's all going to go down. I don't know when we're going to be heading on the king's highway. I don't know when the true beginning of the, it may already happen for some people. I don't know. I don't know when the second exodus will, will fully kick off. But I can tell you one thing. I don't have to worry. I do, though, have to seek the Lord so that I will hear clearly in the hour he tells me to leave or to stay or what to do. Folks, I'm here to tell you right now, there's a good chance God will call you out. There's also a good chance he may not. Maybe your life's to be here and that's where it's going to end and that'll be it. I don't know, but maybe it's to leave. But I can tell you one thing right now. Don't you dare leave if the Lord hasn't told you to leave. And don't you dare stay if he's told you to leave. You do what God tells you to do. I don't care what any man or woman tells you to do. You listen to the Lord. He said that he will be the one who leads in this hour. God will be the leader. And he will tell us what to do. Our job is to listen and it's okay. If I, I, I ask God, Lord, help me, give me the grace to listen to your direction. Lord, give me the grace that if you say go, I don't say no. Because I don't want to stay if the Lord's telling me to go because I'm somehow liking the ease or prosperity or something like that. I don't want to ever do something like that. And you might think, well, I never would do that. Folks, never Peter trusted his flesh. Lord, I'll never deny you. And he denied the Lord. Thank you, Peter, for that example. Peter was a man of God, but he set an example, a reminder to us, don't you ever think that you can't fall from the Lord. You can't deny the Lord. But Jude said unto him that is able to keep you from falling. 
and to present you faultless, meaning that if you will trust in the one who can keep you, he will take care of you to the end. But if you think in your flesh that you can stand in your strength, you will be disappointed. This is not an hour for self. This is an hour for selflessness and asking God what to do. Folks, I want to encourage you. The news is drastic. Don't get hung up in it. The news is going crazy. Don't get hung up totally in the news. Folks, there's nothing wrong with watching. But get you, you've got to get alone. You've got to get alone with God. You've got to take time to seek the Lord. There's no amount of news that will prepare you. But time on your knees will take care of everything. This is Brother Frank encouraging you all. Keep looking up. It's not much longer. He will come down. He will come down to rescue that which is his. But have the faith that he promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He will be there with us in the fire, through the floods, to the very end. So Brother Frank saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountain. Though a trumpet in Zion.